Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are starting off 2022 talking with Sarah Mo. She started her career in sleep medicine in 2006 and is the founder and CEO of Sleep Health Specialists, which provides sleep education to local businesses and corporations. She's also an adjunct professor in the polysomnography sleep program at Minneapolis College. She's on the board of directors for the Minnesota Sleep Society and the Educational Products Committee for the American Association of Sleep Technologists. And you wouldn't believe it today, but we're going to be talking about how to get better sleep and how important sleep is to your business and to your life. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. So sleep is something that we all all do. It's not a choice as a human. Some of us probably sleep better than others, and some of us maybe not so much. You know, for something that we all spend so much time doing, I feel like we've spent very little time of our life actually learning about this thing that we spend so much time doing. Can you give me a little bit of background of why you got into sleep as your career focus? Yeah, so I actually grew up wanting to be a nurse, but it turns out Sarah does not do well with blood. So I was looking for other medical fields where I could help people in that capacity uh, and not pass out at the site of blood. Uh, So I found the sleep medicine program in 2006 and decided to just give it a try. Once I got accepted, I became obsessed. Sleep is the coolest thing I have ever seen. And that, as you said, we know nothing about. And that's not our fault. From a very young age, when we think about our health, it's kind of pushed on us that we should focus on diet and exercise. It's even pushed in elementary schools. You know, we have gym classes where we play dodgeball and we learn about the food pyramid and how the food that we eat impacts our health, but we don't learn anything about our sleep. And sadly, that carries us into adulthood where that third pillar of health that we know nothing about is so impactful in our daily lives. So yeah, it's been an awesome uh, couple of decades having fun educating sleep. I mean, I've heard different numbers, but I'm I'm sure you get asked this a lot of like what the ideal number of hours of sleep is. I think I saw some tweet from Jeff Bezos saying it was eight and a half or something. I don't know. And that's, but, but you're right. Like, I don't think I ever, nobody ever told me growing up, like, this is how much sleep you should have. I mean, maybe at the best, a teacher maybe, you know, harassed me for falling asleep in class and and said, you're not getting enough sleep, but nobody ever said, this is what enough sleep is. So is there a magic number there? Right. So there has probably been a public service announcement stating eight hours of sleep is best for you know, the last 10, 15 years. So if you hear you know, eight hours of sleep, that's the magic number. That's great. That's a really good starting place. But it is important to understand that 
there are outliers in every scenario. So there are some people who are going to really thrive on shorter sleep times, like six hours. They can feel rested, productive, and great from that sleep time. Now, transversely, obviously, there are people who need more, maybe 10 to 12 hours to feel rested. Uh, But the average American really does need about seven and a half to eight hours of sleep to feel rested each night. And the average American gets 6.5 hours of sleep each night. So it really is no coincidence that we are all tired all of the time. That is a very easy place to start when it comes to our fatigue. Most are sleep deprived. And um, again, that's not a judgment because we just don't understand the importance of our sleep from that young age. Uh, But it's a, a really great kind of tactic to think of in the new year as far as all of us making our resolutions and trying to get more healthy. Just start with maybe get eight hours of sleep each night and see how you feel. So instead of thinking about diet or losing weight or I'm going to accomplish all these things, just just getting sleep would be a, a big impact. It's a great place to start because as we consider these three pillars of health, sleep, diet, and exercise, sleep really should be the base. And that's because our sleep gives us really the data to be accomplished in those other two pillars and those other two realms. So when we think about getting healthier, being fit, or all these fitness-related goals that most of us do make for the new year. You know, you can work out as much as you can possibly do. You can eat very well. But if you're not sleeping well, those things are not going to be nearly as impactful as they could be. Uh, When we think about these two hormones like leptin and ghrelin that uh, are regulated during sleep and are used to uh, regulate appetite control, uh, kind of the foods that we crave, the uh, ability to efficiently burn calories, all of these are are associated with our sleep. So if you're sleeping poorly, it's going to take a lot longer for you to reach those goals. So I always say, if you are looking to become more healthy in the new year, that's great. And especially after we've lived through two years of this global pandemic, we do have to start caring for our bodies in a different way to ensure our our health and our continued existence. But it is a really easy place to start get better sleep, pay more attention to the quality and the quantity of your sleep uh, because you're going to be waking up, being able to make better choices in a better mood, able to be more productive with more energy to do those workouts. It really does come full circle. I think you hear in entrepreneur culture quite a bit that, you know, people, it's kind of this hustle mindset. Yes. I mean, you know, we had this, you know, the... uh the former president, um, I think I read somewhere that he slept somewhere around like four, four and a half hours a night. Mm-hmm. What does that do to you as a human being? Like if you're, I mean, maybe that's for that person is making them feel rested. But are there, I mean, if you're somebody who is in that state, whether by choice and in, in drive or just because you just don't sleep very well. I mean, what are some of the things that might be showing up for you? That's such a great point. That whole hustle culture and I'll sleep when I die, it's so counterintuitive and counterproductive. In fact, when we have that level of sleep deprivation and attempt to operate in a successful manner, it usually does not compute. It doesn't uh, equal success. So for entrepreneurs who are saying, I've got to be on the grind and I'll sacrifice my sleep, don't don't do that. (laughs) Get more sleep because everything that you are going to apply yourself to that next day is going to be more productive. It's going to be more successful because again, all of the hormonal impact, all of the cellular uh, reconstruction that's happening at night, the synapses in your brain, your memory, your cognitive abilities, all these things will be increased and more positive with more sleep. So we really do have to eliminate that whole hustle culture that I'll sleep when I die because we're really losing out on our waking hours where we're able to do more. Now, 
of course, there are going to, again, be people who say, okay, I sleep four hours and I'm great. And a lot of times that's what we call sleep state misperception. If you are somebody who thinks that you only sleep four hours a night, I'd suggest getting a, a fitness tracker or something like that to really kind of get a more accurate picture of what your sleep looks like. Because if you were functioning at four hours of sleep every night, you are eventually going to see some sort of um, kind of deterioration of health and, and motivation and activity. Uh, because humans aren't meant to just sleep four hours a night. We are meant to get you know that closer to eight hours uh, to repair that damage of wakefulness. And if there are people who function at four hours very well, they're not going to be able to sustain that way. Eventually, uh, that sleep deprivation or what we call sleep debt is going to catch up. And sleep debt works like a credit card. If you get four hours of sleep one night instead of eight, you're now four hours in sleep debt and you've got to make that up. We got to think about naps, getting to bed a little bit earlier, uh, sleeping in the next day if we can, because one of the first things that happens when we do become sleep deprived is that our immune systems become compromised. And in a time where COVID is running rampant, it's it's important to have as strong of an immune system as possible. So uh, all that comes uh, with building during sleep and that four hours is not going to be able to keep you healthy. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. I've heard mixed things on that idea of sleep debt. Like, Like you can't I guess what I've heard, maybe you can correct me, but but we can't like necessarily catch up on sleep because I feel like I've been in that mode before. I'm like, ah, I'm going to just like hustle all week and then I'll sleep in on the weekends or whatever. And it kind of like works. I mean, you kind of, you know, if you do have like a big event going on or something like sometimes we just have things in life where sleep just becomes like not as available maybe as it usually is. And so I've definitely burned the candle at both ends for like four or five days. And then I'll have that day where like, I mean, I might have, let's say I got five hours of sleep for four nights in a row. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like on the weekend I sleep for 20 hours. Like I might sleep for like 10 hours instead of eight hours. Like I don't really catch up on it. I mean, is it possible for somebody to truly catch up on it? Or is it at some point are they just doing like more permanent damage to their immune system or other parts of their body? Yeah, so that's a great question because it's it's a conflicting school of thought for a lot of sleep experts and sleep professionals. So when we think about lost hours of sleep, obviously we can't make up those specific hours. Those hours are gone forever. If you have that night of five hours, goodbye. Uh, but we should pay attention to attempting to get around eight hours in a 24-hour period. Now, if you're going to continue to build sleep debt, eventually you're going to get sick. That's again with that whole immune system. This is something that our bodies can only handle so much of. Now, metabolically, we're all very different. So you might be able to carry a higher sleep debt than somebody else, uh, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't attempt to try to get more sleep. Now, with these conflicting schools of thought, there are some sleep experts who say one of the most important things you can do to regulate your circadian rhythms and to continue to have great sleep routines is to go to bed at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning. 
I personally don't subscribe to that school of thought as I don't do that myself. (laughs) And that would be very hypocritical of me to ask my clients and patients to do that. So I don't think, especially as we continue to go through the pandemic, that we have to be so hard on ourselves that sleep has to be such a a rigid, structured thing. I think we need to kind of look at it as a, um, let's just do better. Most of us ignore our sleep. Most of us don't think it's that important. So if you just take little baby steps to improve your sleep, uh, your sleep hygiene, which is what we call the habits surrounding our sleep, and have those nights where, you know, if you are up until midnight watching Game of Thrones with some wine, that's fine. But just the next day, understand that uh, trying to do a little bit better is going to keep you on that more healthy path. I I think giving people permission to drink wine and watch Game of Thrones just gave a lot of sigh of reliefs with our audience. Like, okay, I'm not a (laughs) lost cause. (laughs) (laughs) I do it too. (laughs) So there's definitely... so, So eight hours and 24 hours, that makes sense. You brought up this, the idea of a nap. Uh, my four-year-old is still going strong on his naps. Myself, the 40-year-old, not so good at uh, at leveraging naps. How, mm-hmm. how can adults make naps a bigger part of their lives? And are there any kind of recommendations you have for, for how we can make napping work for us? Absolutely. So the National Sleep Foundation recommends a 20 to 30 minute nap every day. This is something that is innate. It's instinctual. Our circadian rhythms shift in the afternoon. And this goes back to caveman times. This is when the sun was at its highest. Uh, Predators were very active. It was in your best interest to get your butt in a cave and take a rest. And we still feel that today, every day, especially with the implementation of constant technology. So when most of us feel that afternoon slump, that one to three time frame where everything feels so hard to even just keep your eyes open, take a nap. That whole culture of it means you're lazy is wrong. It is physiological. We, we should be resting during that time. There are even napping laws in Japan. We're just behind here. <laughs> there are siestas all over the world where people do take that time to rest their bodies and then wake up feeling more productive. So with that 20 to 30 minute recommendation, that is because when we fall asleep, we very quickly cycle into stage three or deep sleep. This is that deep restful stage of sleep. This is the stage where If I poke you, you won't wake up. And this is the stage that makes us feel refreshed when we wake up. So when we fall asleep in that first 10 minutes, we're getting into that deep restful stage. Now, if we continue past the 20 to 30 minute mark, there's a potential to go into stage REM. Now, most people know that in stage REM, we have dreams. But what you might not know is that we also become paralyzed in REM. Everything but our brain, lungs, heart, diaphragm, all those things are fine and keep working great. But our muscular system is completely paralyzed so that we can't act out our dreams and harm ourselves or our bed partners. But unfortunately, because of that paralysis, if you do wake up out of a REM period, you will feel sluggish. You will feel groggy. In fact, some people aren't even able to move. That That's called sleep paralysis. So when we take a nap, we should be shooting for that 20 to 30 minute mark to get us into that deep, restful, restorative stage of sleep, but not sleep so long that we go into REM because those are the naps where we wake up saying, oh, I feel like I'm more tired than I was before I fell asleep. Uh, so naps really should be implemented, is, especially if you are somebody who very strongly feels that afternoon slump. A great tip to start napping is to get an eye mask. So eye masks are awesome. We should wear them every night. Historically, all members of the family used to tie dish rags over their eyes to keep the, the light out. Uh, but they're also what we call a trained behavior. 
If you take an eye mask and wear it every night for four or five nights, your body will very quickly learn that that motion of pulling it down over your face means it's time to secrete those sleep-initiating hormones. So if I've ever had patients or clients say, I'd love to be a napper, but I just can't fall asleep in the middle of the day, I say, get an eye mask and put it on every night for four nights. And then on day five, if you would like to take a nap, grab that eye mask at one o'clock, pull it down, and you will feel your body instantly relax. This is a really, really great habit to start for the new year. Get those naps, people. Mm, so you start you start with the eye mask at night and then you bring it in on day five Ex- for the Exactly. Nap. Yep. Cool. Perfect. It's so when you and do you find that if you if you become a napper, if you build a habit of naps, will you kind of learn how to avoid that REM state uh, and oversleeping in the middle of the day? Because I can, like, whenever I've taken, when I do take naps, oftentimes it's on the weekends. It's when my guard is down. It's when I'm just, you know, hanging out. I'll be, like, laying in bed or whatever, you know, resting, and and then yeah. I'll just pass out, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times I am maybe a little bit overtired, and I'll probably sleep a little bit more than that 30-minute zone. And I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I'll kind of wake up and be like, oh, and I'm kind of fall back asleep because I can't move, right? Now I know yeah. I'm in REM at that point, right? <laughs> um, but do you, if you do naps more often or kind of get rid of that sleep debt, does your body naturally avoid that uh, stage? Nope, not necessarily. So the point of the nap is that fatigue is to address it. So when we think about our, our nighttime sleep, the vast majority of us are not getting eight consolidated perfect hours of sleep. We are getting less. We are not going into the right stages at the right time for a lot of different reasons, whether it be blue light, influence, caffeine intake, uh, undiagnosed sleep disorders. We are not getting the quality and quantity sleep that we need each night. And that is presenting in that afternoon slump. Now, again, we're going to feel it naturally, but the actual uh, desire, the drive to sleep at that time is going to be increased by the low quality of our nighttime sleep. So really what it's about is getting the proper sleep that we need at night to eliminate the need or desire to have those long naps, but also just taking them because there's literally nothing wrong with it. Everything improves after a quick power nap. So especially when we think about entrepreneurs in the workforce, the the work that's required of us, not only from nine to five, but if we're starting a business, if we are uh, required to be hands-on for every aspect of that business, we need those hours to all be productive. Now, right now, if we go into that afternoon slump, it's really hard to get out before the end of the workday. You know, we kind of engage, but we aren't engaged. We try to remain awake. We do things like scroll through Facebook or hop on BuzzFeed and take a quiz to find out what Gilmore girl you are. All of these things are just to remain engaged, but we're not being productive. Now, if you were to take that nap and wake up feeling refreshed, Uh, that ability to concentrate is going to be restored and that productivity is going to be uh, just out of bounds as far as getting through the end of the day. So again, I think naps are a huge game changer and I'm really looking forward to that shift in mentality as we learn more about sleep as a culture to understand that it doesn't mean you're lazy. In fact, taking that nap means you're listening to your body, you're addressing physiological needs, uh, and then the rest of your day is going to be so much better. So if you find yourself completing a Gilmore Girls quiz, then that is a, a surefire tell that it's time to take a nap. To take a nap, or what kind of cheese you are—that's another popular <laughs> one. <laughs> if you if you if you if you've already found out what kind of cheese you are, great. 
but it's still it's time to take a nap. You, so I, I'd love to get a couple of quick, you know, uh, opinions, I guess, on on some things that you know people either use or maybe are thinking about in our audience. Uh, one, you mentioned, you know, alarms. Like, should people use alarms or should they try to wake up naturally? Yeah, so most of us do need to use alarms. Uh, we are uh, participating in the workforce. We have to be up at a certain time. Now, luckily, most of us have our commutes eliminated through this pandemic. So we have more time to sleep, but that doesn't mean we're getting better sleep. So alarms, you know, we do really still need to use them. But one important thing to know is that if you are using your alarm on your telephone, uh, that's something that can be a problem because most of us will set it right before bed. And blue light exposure from your cell phone before bed is awful for our sleep. Uh, this is actually what we call our number one negative influencer on our sleep. This blue light exposure that we are all constantly exposed to, our laptops, our cell phones, our iPads, our televisions, all of these things are secreting a light that frequency-wise continues to impact our brain. Uh, so it causes us to have a lot of different awakenings throughout the night, uh, and really impact the quality of our sleep. So if you are using your alarm on your cell phone, an hour before bedtime, I suggest setting that alarm and then putting your phone over an arm's length away on your nightstand so you can't grab it throughout the night and look at it again. Re-exposing ourselves to blue light throughout the night is awful for our sleep. And we all do the same thing every time we wake up in the middle of the night. What's the first thing you do? Check your you phone. Think, what? <laughs> yes. What time is it? What's going on? And then we do what I call panic math, which is, all right, it's three o'clock. If I fall asleep right now, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. And then you're doing math in the middle of the night, reactivating your neurological system, making it more difficult to fall back asleep. So we got to get those cell phones out. We've got to get them uh, kind of set the alarm and then put off to the side. Uh, because if you don't have just your classic alarm clock, that blue light exposure is going to be uh, very problematic. Uh, so I suggest, you know, the old school digital red beaming things that you can get at Target for $4.99 and turn it around so you can't look at it in the middle of the night. Mm, so even so, even the blue light, and I know like the iPhones like have the thing where they can adjust to like the warm light, but it's still like light at like yep, certain times, but nearly- even... Yeah, it's not as effective as they they like to think it is. Okay, okay. So so maybe the Apple they're like, no, 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 no. Please, you can still use me in the uh, the middle of the night, right? But even just that much blue light, like you setting an alarm, which might take a minute or two, like you're saying, even that much, just like giving yourself that flash of blue light is going to have some kind of impact on your sleep over a long enough timeline. It sure does because blue light exposure suppresses melatonin production, which is our signal to fall asleep. So even if it's for a quick second, and also I should note that the proximity to your retina does make a difference. So the closer it is to your face, the worse it is, the more impact it's going to have. So that one to two minutes it takes you to set your alarm, check your last email, play a little candy crush to relax, all of it is doing damage. Caffeine. I'd love to get your thoughts on this because I know a lot of, I'll just be upfront. I mean, I drink a lot of coffee and I try to not drink caffeine after noon. I'm not always successful, but Mm -hmm. what's, uh, you know, how, how does caffeine affect sleep? Is it something that, that, uh, is, is truly harmful? I mean, I, I will find sometimes I'll have like an espresso at night and it actually kind of like knocks me out weirdly. I don't know if that's like a common thing, but it happens. Caffeine is, it's actually very detrimental to our sleep. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful drug. I drink an iced vanilla latte every single morning. <laughs> uh, the problem is that caffeine is similarly structured to adenosine. And adenosine is the hormone that 
builds throughout the day that helps us feel sleepy. It, it puts us to sleep. So when we drink a caffeinated beverage, it goes into our brains onto the adenosine receptor, tricking us into feeling more alert. But when it's time to go to bed, if there is still caffeine present on our adenosine receptors, when our adenosine is trying to be released and go to its receptor, it can't. So that is something that is very frequently confused with. I can't shut my brain off or my mind is racing. A lot of times it is because of the caffeine influx throughout the day, not having enough time to be processed out before adenosine needs to be released to help us initiate sleep. So I would never tell you, you can't drink coffee. It's great if you stop at noon. We really do need to stop though, if we are hoping for uh, a 10 p.m. bedtime, that's a pretty reasonable bedtime for most people. We do need to stop around noon to give our liver enough time to have that processed out. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I wanna tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. What about medical or medication assistance? I know there's a myriad of drugs. This sleep problem is something that obviously is a, uh, impacts a lot of people in present day. And there's you know all sorts of over-the-counter drugs. There's prescription drugs. There's drugs that I've heard if you take them, you'll wake up and maybe be eating food or whatever. I mean, what's, uh, what's your take on whether somebody should start to think about medication or get off medication um, if they're using it for sleep aids? Awesome question. So uh, as a sleep expert, a lot of people think it's interesting that I can advocate for sleep aids, but I do in certain situations because the physical ramifications of sleep deprivation are so much more severe than that of taking something to help you fall asleep. Now, I do like to preface that if you are considering a sleep aid, first, we should go through a process of fixing your sleep hygiene, which are the habits that could impact your sleep. We need to get the cell phones uh, out of the bedroom. We need to stop drinking those caffeinated beverages, not too much alcohol, getting eight hours of sleep. You need to do a, a pretty strong attempt at having everything be right. Now, if you're doing everything right and you are still fatigued, it is possible that you have a sleep disorder. And this is something that a lot of people don't consider. Sleep disorders are so incredibly common. Everybody here listening knows somebody who has sleep apnea, insomnia, restless leg syndrome. One of these, there are over a hundred classified sleep disorders and they're very, very prevalent within society. But people don't think that uh, that would be the underlying issue. We think that we're supposed to be tired all the time. Of course, that's just how it is. Uh, but that's not the case. It could actually be something that needs to be treated. So if you've got great sleep hygiene, get a sleep study, see if there's any underlying sleep disorder that needs to be treated. If no, then I will move to the route of, yeah, take a sleep aid if you need one. Talk to your doctor, talk to your primary care physician and say, I'd like to have something in my arsenal. Now with sleep aids, there are so many varying things. Like you said, you know, we have our outdated Ambien where people would wake up in the middle of the night eating frozen pizzas and find them thawed on the counter in the morning. But it's really changed. It's really advanced a lot. A lot of sleep aids that are over the counter, the Zequals, the Benadryls, the uh, Unisoms, all of these things are perfectly safe to take every once in a while to get you over those humps of uh, having a bad night. Uh, because sometimes that's really just all we need to remind our bodies that we can sleep. 
because it's a really weird cycle. If you have a bad night of sleep, it throws off everything, including your hormones uh, and your even mental acuity, putting you in a state of worrying now that next night, oh gosh, I got horrible sleep last night. I really need to get good sleep this night. And then we don't because of that worry, because of that panic. And then that next bad night then leads to the next cycle of the next day being more troublesome and more worrisome. So just to snap yourself out of those cycles when they do happen, which they're happening more and more often, again, as we keep going through this pandemic, just grab something uh, to have in your arsenal to make sure that you can just take yourself out of that vicious cycle. So I know we attacked the cell phones, we attacked the caffeine, we got that taken out of people's uh, repertoires. You mentioned alcohol. How does alcohol impact somebody's sleep? So the same way caffeine blocks our brains from releasing adenosine, alcohol blocks our ability for our brains to get into the deeper, more restful stages of sleep. So when we drink alcoholic beverages, it's kind of tricky because they are a depressant. Uh, They are going to make you feel sleepy. You have that glass wine and then you're like, oh, I could fall asleep. And that's, you know, that's really how it can kind of start is using it as a clutch to be helpful for sleep. But the problem is we're not going to be getting into that deep stage three sleep that makes us feel rested or that REM sleep, which is the cellular restorative stage of sleep that helps our bodies heal. So if you've uh, ever had one of those nights, you know, I'm speaking for a friend where you tie <laughs> one on. I'll just say, I, think, I think they call that more passing out than falling asleep. <laughs> Exactly. And let's say you pass out and you're sleeping for 15 hours. You wake up the next day in the afternoon, you're still going to feel like crap because even though you got long sleep hours, you got the quantity that you need, you didn't get the quality because the alcohol present in your neurological system prevents your brain from getting the restful stages of sleep. So I'm not here to say you can't have that nightcap, you know, have your whiskey with your steak or wine with your pasta, great. But once we start having excessive alcohol consumption closer to bedtime, it really, really does negative, negatively impact the quality of our sleep. So I always say, you know, if you're, if you're going to have your cocktail, go for it, but drink it with a glass of water or try to keep it closer to supper time instead of right before bed so that we have at least a little time to try and process it out so our brains can get into that deeper stage of sleep. How about TV. I, I don't actually have a TV in my bedroom. I, I, I have a few strikes against me so far with uh, caffeine and probably the cell phone. Um, although I did get a separate digital clock with the intention of not having my phone next to me, but that 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 second step hasn't quite yet happened. But I, I have the I have the equipment now. I just haven't followed through on it. But I do, hey, I do not have. <laughs> I don't have a TV, but I know a lot of people do have TVs. And I actually know a lot of people that say things like, you know, I can't fall asleep unless I have the TV on. I have had my patients tell me for years in the sleep lab, I can't sleep without my TV. And I say, have you ever tried? <laughs> because sleeping with a TV is a trained behavior and we can unlearn that behavior very easily. Now, what the television does is uh, provide something soothing, provide something comfortable, something relaxing and familiar to help us initiate that sleep process, but it is still blue light exposure. It is still light exposure, noise exposure. So if you do need something at night to kind of lull you, get a sound machine. There are great sound machines that have, you know, the rainforests or the fans. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can provide that comfort as well. Uh, But the television, again, with that blue light exposure is going to be more impactful than we realize. And some people say, oh, but I'll set the timer and then turn it off. 
Yes, but those are also the people who wake up in the middle of the night to pee. Now, most mm. of us don't wake up to pee. In fact, our bladders are, are resistant. They're meant to be able to get us through that eight-hour period of sleep. We wake up for other reasons and then recognize that we could use the restroom and then we go. So unless you have a urological issue or we're aging so that uh, flexibility within our bladder system isn't as effective, if you're waking up frequently, you might be somebody who watches TV to go to bed. And even if the timer shuts it off, it could be causing those awakenings and make you recognize that you could use the restroom in the middle of the night. Oh man, that just, you know, I just think about that and it's so easy to to blame a middle of the night wake up on, oh, I must've had to go to the bathroom. But I think what yes. I'm hearing from you is there's looking at all those other stimuli as potentially exactly. causing issues around those sleep cycles. Exactly. Sarah, this has been awesome. I've got a bunch of notes. I've got some thoughts on how to improve my own sleep. I hope our listeners do as well. Do you have a few minutes to stick around uh, for our lightning round? Absolutely. What is the best advice you've ever received? Be yourself. Uh, a lot of times when I go through uh, talks about sleep or tell people what I do for a living, I get really excited and I'm super passionate and I think, oh gosh, take it down a notch, Sarah. People are going to be scared. Uh, but that's not the case. In fact, a lot of people have changed their habits due to my passion. So uh, when I've heard just be yourself because it's effective, that really stuck with me. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Confidence. I've noticed a lot of people who work in different medical fields uh, kind of participate within the community in different ways. And I think my confidence in the fact that I know what I'm talking about, I trust in my education, I know my experience and years in the medical field really count for something. And I wanted to bring that to my community. So I think that uh, my confidence in myself and my abilities has been a huge factor in my success. Can you share an internet resource, a tool, or app that you think our listeners would find valuable? Absolutely. National Sleep Foundation. Uh, I think it's uh, just nsf.org. This is a huge, awesome resource for all things sleep. In fact, you can sign up for an email that will head to your inbox every day with uh, sleep tips and also a lot of just really fascinating information about sleep in general because it really is cool. And what book would you recommend and why? Atomic Habits is my current favorite read. It is a fascinating delve into how you can change habits, the neurology behind it, and it's for everything. It could be as an entrepreneur, how you can make yourself more productive to lend to that success. If you, you've got fitness-related goals, it really doesn't matter. This science behind how we can change our bad habits and adapt better habits really was a great read. Awesome. Well, I'm actually in the last chapter of that book. Oh. <laughs> and so I know uh, I know firsthand that a lot of what James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits aligns super well with what you've just run through today, Sarah, on developing better sleep habits. So I feel like that's just a great value stack on what you've already presented today. So I appreciate that. Thank you. For our listeners that are out on the road driving around or on a run or like me on your bike, Check out our show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. We'll link out to Atomic Habits by James Clear, the National Sleep Foundation at nsf.org, and also lots of key takeaways, gold nuggets from today's episode. Sarah, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, just head to our website, Google Sleep Health Specialists or www.sleephs.com. Awesome. We will also link out to 
sleephs.com at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see Sarah's photo up there at the top. Click on her, and then you'll see all those key takeaways, links to books, her website, social, all that good stuff. So if you're looking to learn more about how to build healthy sleep habits for yourself so you can have a more productive agency, definitely follow Sarah and the great work that she's doing. Thanks again for stopping by the program today, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thank you.